Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 18th, 2019, and it's a pretty big day. There is a lot going on uh, worldwide from the aspect of uh, what's happening uh, with Iran, the upcoming G20 summit, chaos in Europe, fixing currencies. I mean, it's pretty incredible what we are seeing, what we are um, gathering and garnering. There's so much that's going on that isn't even being talked about. In France, there are deaths that are coming forward and how Macron is aggressively attacking his citizens that are protesting. 11 deaths. Gloria Vanderbilt died. That's another topic I want to talk about. President Trump appointed a new uh, ambassador to Bulgaria. We'll talk about her as well. I mean, there is a lot we can discuss that nobody else is. And I think maybe we should just start uh, with um, Vanderbilt's death. I'm going to play a clip from CNN where they kind of talk about her. In their own way, of course. And then I'll just add my slight commentary. Gloria Vanderbilt, uh, legendary fashion idol, uh, has just passed away. We're just getting in. Have a look at her life. She's died at the age of 95. Gloria Vanderbilt, my mom, lived her entire life in the public eye. Born in 1924, her father, Reginald Vanderbilt, was heir to the Vanderbilt Railroad fortune, but gambled away most of his inheritance and died when my mom was just a baby. Gloria Morgan Vanderbilt, her mother, wasn't ready to be a mom or a widow. My mom grew up in France, not knowing anything about the Vanderbilt family or the money that she would inherit when she turned 21. She had no idea the trouble that money would create. And here's the first movie of little Gloria herself. Frightened by the curious crowd, she flees into her aunt's car. Money isn't everything. When she was 10, her father's sister, Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney, sued to have my mom taken away from her own mother. It was a custody battle the likes of which the world had never seen. It was called the trial of the century, and it took place during the height of the Depression, making headlines every day for months. The court awarded custody of my mom to her aunt Gertrude, whom she barely knew. The judge also fired the one person my mom truly loved and needed, her nanny, whom she called Dodo. She was my mother, my father. She was everything. She was my lifeline. She was all I had. As a teenager, she tried to avoid the spotlight, but reporters and cameramen would follow her everywhere. 
She was determined to make something of her life, determined to make a name for herself and find the love and family that she so desperately craved. At 17, against her aunt's wishes, she got married. She knew it was a mistake from the get-go. Wedding bells at Santa Barbara's ancient Spanish mission. He is Pasquale Di Chico, Hollywood actor's agent, and is 32. He was described as a Hollywood agent. Was he an agent? Well, maybe at one point he was. He had been married to uh, Telma Todd, who was a quite a well-known actress, and she was died under mysterious circumstances. And there were sort of rumors around that maybe he had killed her, you know. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you got married to a guy who there were rumors that he had killed his former wife? Yes, yes. Did that not seem to give you problems? Well, I thought all he needs is me, you know, to... <laughs> oh, God. Sweetheart, I was only 17. <laughs> okay, I At 21, she married again and had two sons with the legendary conductor, Leopold Stokowski. This is what he looked like when you first met him? Well, it's a terrible photograph of him, but he was 63 when I first met him and married him. And was it something you, like, as soon as you saw him, you thought? Instant. Really? I knew him for a week and married three weeks later. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And he was 63? Yeah. Wow. Did any of your friends think it was weird? Uh... I don't know. I mean, <laughs> didn't say anything. Didn't matter to me. The marriage lasted more than a decade. Then she met and married director Sidney Lumet, and then my father, writer Wyatt Cooper. Over the course of her life, my mom was photographed by all the great photographers. She worked as a painter, a writer, an actress, and designer. If you were around in the early 1980s, it was pretty hard to miss the genes she helped create. But that was her public face, the one she learned to hide behind as a child. Her private self, her real self, that was more fascinating and more lovely than anything she showed the public. I always thought of her as a visitor from another world, a traveler stranded here who'd come from a distant star that burned out long ago. I always felt it was my job to try to protect her. She was the strongest person I've ever met, but she wasn't tough. She never developed a thick skin to protect herself from hurt. She wanted to feel it all. She wanted to feel life's pleasures, its pains as well. All right, so I'm going to stop it there because this is Anderson Cooper talking about his mom. And, you know, people may say, you know, she's past. Dude, she was 95. It was well overdue, right? 95 years old, um kind of a centennial type makes you wonder the more money you have the longer you live right guys but the narrative being pushed is as if uh, she is someone that led a wholesome life but even her son Anderson Cooper when she talked about her first marriage said he was being you know accused of killing his first wife why would you marry him And her response was, oh, all he needed was me. That should set off whatever. In addition, in 1988, Anderson Cooper's brother, Carter Cooper, uh, committed suicide jumping off uh, their penthouse, uh, you know, uh, balcony in New York. And I remember it. I was a kid when it happened. It was um, pretty 
I would say, big news for my neighborhood, I guess. And what I can tell you is, is that everything is not what it seems. See, they say, uh, you know, he struggled with depression, yet he wasn't seeing anyone. They say he had a psychotic episode from an inhaler that he had for asthma. Uh, The circles in New York say other things. Say other things that I don't want to really mention on air because they're quite nefarious and evil. And many of us already have an opinion of how we feel in regards to activities, ventures, parties, and, you know, the creation of certain things. For me, the creation of that pool was it for me. That pool was a problem for me. And the depiction she had throughout her style in her home and where she had, I would say, devoted her loyalty to. I actually feel sorry for Anderson Cooper. And, you know, uh, the fact that he lost his mother, regardless of what one may think of her, Imagine him being raised within that area and why his view of the world is so different. Uh, So I just wanted to mention that as it was very interesting that CNN had this whole thing put together just for her, uh, considering she's not really, hmm, I'll just leave it there. All right. So let's continue with some shifting gears, some goodies. I just really wanted to mention that as um, we will be seeing some changes um, after that death. Not because the death wasn't expected due to age, but it was in the format of uh, how... It manifested after certain testimonies were given in a court in New York um, that aren't really public yet, from what I gather. So, again, shifting gears, let's go to the shootout that happened in Dallas yesterday. Yesterday, uh, here was the scene at a courthouse in Dallas. Heavily armed man opened fire outside of a building. The gunman, a 22-year-old Army veteran. Out of Fort Worth, was shot and killed by police. Casey Stiegel has the follow-up. He's live in Dallas now with more. Casey, what happened here? Bill, it was a wild situation down here in downtown Dallas yesterday morning. Brian Clyde, we are learning a little bit more about him, the gunman, as you said, 22 years old. He served 19 months in the United States Army from 2015 to 2017. He was a private first class, but got out of the military. And in fact, he just graduated from college a few months ago with his associate's degree. No real criminal record. So you can imagine Friends, family, those who knew him, absolutely shocked and horrified when they saw this video emerge yesterday, this creepy cell phone video showing him in full tactical gear running and shooting at police in front of the federal building right here downtown. 8.30 in the morning, no less. People were out getting to work, walking their dogs, just a typical Monday morning. 
Investigators say the 22-year-old first shot at the building breaking glass. Federal officers came out. They were fired upon, so a shootout ensued. And in a matter of minutes, no one else was hurt, but the suspect was dead. Walking up to go in, and then all of a sudden the shooting just started happening, and I ran away. Every, I, 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 didn't, I was just trying to get away from being shot. I didn't want to get, get shot. That's what it was about. Now, the bomb squad performed a controlled detonation. We had some uh, audio of that. It was very, very powerful, and uh, it was very loud down here. The bomb squad did that to some items in the suspect's car that was found parked nearby because they were fearful that there were explosive devices inside. But this morning, the real question is why. They do not have a motive yet. The FBI is looking into that. They're also going through, of course, his social media posts. There were some Facebook messages that showed him that appeared to, he appeared to be a gun enthusiast, but no real threats, no sh uh, signs of violence, anything in those social media posts, but that's something they're looking at. Bill, regardless, they say he came here to do damage yesterday with about 150 rounds of ammo and a military-style weapon. And if it weren't for those uh, quick-thinking police officers, they say this could have been a whole lot worse. Point taken. Thank you, Casey. Casey Siegel. Okay, so before we go to the next topic, which is going to be um, th listening to them talk about Iran before we delve into it, I just wanted to say something that people don't know is that uh, yesterday in Dallas there was a... Um, sealed indictment being heard uh, from what my sources tell me and this is something that this soldier this veteran uh, was following another good point to to make is that you know whenever there's a shooter out social media is the first thing they take down when they're identified well his social media was still up his social media was still up, obviously, so people can see, oh, look, he was happy that President Trump won and Hillary didn't. Oh, so he is a Trump supporter who is berserk. This is going to go under the whole, hey, this is a white supremacist that hates colored people. That's a racist that went and shot it up. So it's just something interesting that I thought I would bring up how the social media takedown was um, a bit odd. Okay, it was a bit odd. And if indeed you want to know what's going on, you need to find out what sealed hearing under heavy seal was being heard in Dallas. And... Uh, enraged him and how he was directly affected by it, according to sources that I have. Um, it seems that it's kind of horrible when you see people frustrated with the pace of things being corrected. In order to make changes and solid changes, you have to wait to get to the root of it. I've said it before, right? You can't just pull a weed out. You have to go to the root of it. And patience is something that I lack, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and preach on, well, I mean, I preach it, hopefully, that I listen to it myself. We have to be patient because you can only remove a weed when the soil is loose, right? Uh, other than that, the stem will snap and the root will remain, right? 
And um, when you're impatient or directly, I would say, um, affected by something and it enrages you, it is important to remember patience. It is important to remember that you have people that are doing the job they need to be doing and you don't need to, um, as Joe Biden said, physically revolt. And that's something that um, is very important that I point out because I was kind of taken back how Joe Biden said and called for a physical revolution. We do not need to do that. Honest, hardworking Americans that wish to take their country back need to show that they are capable of doing so. The deranged left is the one that can't. The deranged left is the one that attacks. The deranged left is the one that hates. So that's something that we just need to remember. I mean, I know a lot of us. I've, I've come face to face with a woman in this state, it was about, what is 2019, right? So I would say it was 2014. So uh, 2015 is when I met her. It was in February when I first got here to the state. And my sources had led me to her because she was renting her baby out and pimping her six-month-old baby out. She was living on the Minot Air Force Base at the time. So I was aware of where she was going for a meeting uh, at a local restaurant. So I went to that restaurant, just take a couple pictures and see how and who she was meeting with uh, to then pass on to my sources that then passed it on to, you know, law enforcement, of course. And um, obviously she's been arrested and it took three years, but she went through um, and she was charged and she's in jail but I can tell you it took a lot of mm, self-control to not say anything and anyone who's met me in person or <laughs> you know or we've had a coffee chat on Facebook uh, you know FaceTime you'll know that my face when I'm expressing my thoughts or just sitting there, you can tell when I'm fuming. You can tell when I'm upset. But when I was literally sitting at a table next to her, just watching, I was, you know, at that point, you know, when you're so mad that you can't, I mean, then you're smiling right? You know, that crazy switch. All of us have, have been there where you're so mad that you're not going to cry anymore. You're not going to scream anymore. You're not going to yell. You're not going to cuss. You're just going to sit there and give that crazy smirk, right? That was my face right then. So the waitress comes over and asks me, you know, Hey, what would you like? I'm like water, no lemon. <laughs> um, and I'll figure it out. I'm still busy looking at the menu. And I remember seeing her. And at that point, I could have gotten up, you know, kicked up a fuss, you know, did this whole thing. 
But I wanted to observe this kind of person that I knew was getting arrested soon. She was arrested a couple weeks later. They already had the information. And, you know, this is a nationwide, you know, group of advocates and, and, and investigative journalists that follow these creeps. But I wanted to observe to see how can you tell? Because it's so difficult to see who your enemy is, right? Uh, who the enemy of people are, because these are enemies of human beings. Her own baby, she was selling for sex. How do you suss out that evil? And I thought to myself, wow, seeing this woman, you can't tell. She's there with the baby. Uh, she doesn't seem to be super evil, right? And I'm pretty sure around me were other feds watching her at the time. And I thought to myself, wow, imagine. I already know and have, you know, seen evidence that other people have gathered of what kind of nefarious stuff she gets to, along with other, uh, you know, Air Force guys that were arrested just a couple months after that, right? Um, and I thought to myself, wow, I wouldn't be able to tell if I didn't have the evidence. Imagine every single person at home right now that may indeed be frustrated with everything they hear from the news. This is why it's important to have patience and faith. And I'll say it again. What's better when you're challenged on faith and, you know, being patient? What is better to live a life with no faith in any God and die and realize there is one? Or is it better to just live life with faith that there is something out there looking after all of us and die and find out there isn't any? Because, you know, once you die and there is and you haven't, you know, you're kind of screwed at that point, right? <laughs> so I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, on that note, because even in today's show, uh, you know, we're going to be discussing a few things that will cause us dismay and um, make us not feel good because we lack patience, not because we're dumb, not because we can't you know, have patience, but because it's difficult to have patience when you know what's wrong. And another thing is to have faith because the media, you know, mainstream media, social media, you know, I've said it even again and again, Fox, all of them are not on our side. They're on the side of the pockets. As long as they rely on deep pockets to fund them, as long as they rely on people, uh, you know, paying their way, you will not get unbiased news. Okay. It's very important that you remember that. So whatever you hear, whatever you might see going, have faith because things are working out the way they should. And like I said, it may be because we win the ultimate war against humanity or that we at least make up a big stink that will keep that dent in history to encourage those four or five generations later to revolt and demand it back. So it's our job to be patient and not to react and not to respond to things like calls for physical revolutions like Joe Biden did. For me, I would consider that, you know, an advocacy of unrest. And that's 
alarming. Uh, especially when you have the mainstream media telling you that Joe Biden's in the lead, Bernie Sanders is in the lead. I mean, they're even showing Warren ahead of President Trump and Swalwell and Mayor Pete. Come on, you guys. Stop listening to them. Listen to your logic. Listen to your heart because your neighbor has the same heart and hopefully the same logic. I mean, we elected this man already. We won the war. Now we're fighting them so there's not a new one make sense now we're doing the fight we already won it now we're doing the fighting so it's important that we don't take justice into our own hands regardless if it's someone that has wronged you or someone innocent that is yours uh you know you have to maintain patience you have to maintain course and you have to maintain faith Because things are about to get really, really, really hot. So hot. And I said that, didn't I? I've said, well, you know, I even said that, you know, General Flynn isn't going to be sentenced in July, didn't I? I said that when I said that he wasn't getting sentenced in March. I told you he's not getting sentenced in July. It's all a plan. Many of us are good in mathematically calculating things. Others of us have really good sources and maybe some of us have crystal balls or time travel. Who knows? But the bottom line is we already know the plan. And, you know, kind of like what deja vu says, you know, they say deja vu is because, uh, you know, it's similar memories and it pulls out. But then the most more spiritual people, what do they tell you about deja vu? They say it's a way of you realizing that you're still on the correct life's path. It means you're right where you need to be. This is why you're remembering it. Make sense? So let's take it like this. Right now, we're all getting deja vu because we are right on target. We are on the right path. And all we have to do is maintain patience. Regardless of who wrongs you, patience. And it's so hard because, <laughs> you know, I'm the one that freaks out and yells and, you know, tweets angrily. But we all need patience now right after this break we're going to break down some stuff that's really going to try our patience hello my fellow patriots my name is michael flynn jr and i am the proud son of general flynn your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten if you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978 855-700-2978 855-700-2978 That's 855-700-2978 
Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So let's talk about Iran, because yesterday I dropped some really serious information that may or may not have blown over, uh, you know, flew over your head without you realizing it. I made mention, and it's very important to remember, that our president... N- designated the IRGC, the Royal Guard of Iran, right? They are, okay, picture it this way. Picture, you know, the Iranian, you know, supreme leader sitting on a chair. Well, the Iranian, the IRGC is like a line in front of him. That's the last line of defense to get to him. They're his protectors. They're like Secret Service on steroids, all commandos. I mean, not saying that our Secret Service aren't trained to be commandos, but they are like top, right? Fit, commando, ranger, seal, all in one. And they execute direct orders from the Supreme Leader and protect him. But like I told you in 1978, Peter Strzok's daddy in Iran had penetrated the Iranian government. At that time in Tehran, it was a poppin' city. It was super poppin'. Women were wearing miniskirts. Some of them wore the whole burqa thing. You know, whatever. It was totally lax. Uh, It was cosmopolitan, kind of like Alexandria, Egypt, before the Muslim Brotherhood uh, descended upon them. And this was all kind of coordinated, you know, in the 70s, um, beginning of the 80s. And this was all down to, remember, in in the um, Iran-Contra deal, such BS. We put the Supreme Leader where he is now, right? We put all of them there and we created the IRGC. I told you this yesterday, okay? It's really important to understand that. And I've also told you that we put him there. So now I want you to pretend you're the Supreme Leader of Iran, 
Okay. And I know it's going to be really hard because you can't imagine, you know, teaching your sons how to beat their wives the right way and considering women are beneath you um, and believing that everyone else should die. I mean, I don't really think he actually thinks like that, but let's just put him, paint him in the most awful way you can and just pretend you're that person. You would rely on your IRGC to be your right hand, right? If you want to take out Joe Schmo down the road from your palace or wherever you're sitting, you would tell your IRGC and it would be done. But here's the thing. What if your IRGC is actually owned and operated by the people that placed you there? Because it's really weird to have a guard be the last line of defense, but not have a direct connection with your military, not have a direct connection with your police. They're completely independent, right? It's really weird how they coordinate everything. It's really weird how they're the ones coordinating the planes, the ships coming in from overseas. Maybe the ones with money, just saying. So the Navy, Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, whatever, petrol, patrol, police in Iran are totally independent they are part of the government, but the IRGC is really not. It's like an entity on its own. And our president chose them as terrorists, not the Iranian government, not the Iranian military, not even the supreme leader. He didn't say the supreme leader of Iran is a terrorist. No, he did not. He said that line between the supreme leader and the rest of the government of Iran, that picture it like a line. You've got supreme leader. This line of just a red line, and that's filled with the IRGC. And then you've got the rest of the government of Iran, their CIA, their FBI, their, you know, whatever. They're not terrorists. The IRGC is that line. Why? We could ask Gina Haspel because I'm pretty sure that's all come up. And this is how that decision was made. And so now today, everyone is reporting to you, and you'll see it, I think Breitbart put it out, that the people that were collecting the bombs that may be responsible, and this is why it's Iran's fault, is the IRGC. Didn't I already tell you that? Because my sources are ironclad. I am telling you, the Supreme Leader of Iran was pissed. He had no idea this was happening. He did not order it. And again, the IRDC takes no orders from anyone except who? The Iranian Supreme Leader. So his question is, out of these 10 clowns that surround me, and it's not 10, it's a lot more, okay? Who do I trust? I can't trust them. No one's going to come forward and tell me. And if they do come forward and tell me, how do they know? How do I know as the bad Supreme leader where these people are trying to muck stuff up for me, right? They're mucking it up. They're going there, moving mines or shooting torpedoes, not torpedoes, but, you know, projectiles to plane through planes or, you know, who knows? Shoulder, uh, <laughs> shoulder holders. Um, that's, that's an inside joke. Not a lot of you people are inside that. So I'll take that back. But just pay it, take that as I'm telling you. The Supreme Leader is in a tight spot. His line of defense and his middle guy, who isn't anything but a fat, like a membrane. So, whatever the Supreme Leader wants to tell his FBI, let's say, hey, um, Iranian FBI director, 
I want you to look into this robbery that happened here in Iran. And I want you to go and look at, investigate this, you know, gambling thing over here. He doesn't say it. He tells his IRDC and his IRDC relays it. You know, they're the membrane. You get it? So this is how integral they are for his function. And they are the ones that were caught on camera. So many will say, well, what if they went out there to collect the stuff because they wanted to investigate themselves? That's not the case. I said it before. He is being held hostage. He has no idea how he's going to mitigate this and how he's going to fix it. And he cannot trust the United States because we've done this before as a nation. Tanker Wars talked about it before. This is how we kneel people. This is how we change things. So he believes this is the MO of the United States. They are doing this to me. They are doing this. It has to be them. Israel has to be playing since Israel is like, well, we're going to block people so they can't go to Iranian ports. And it's like, what is going on? I'm stuck, you know, somebody help me. And he's like, all right, I need to see who's really allied with Iran. And the thing is, what if it's a trap, dude? What if it's a trap for him? Because now he's called the European Union to the carpet and said, listen, man, if you don't get to me June 28th in the morning, I'm, I'm going to have all the uranium I want that breaks our deal. Now what's up? You either put up or shut up because I'm going to have to make that decision on my own. How does he discharge the IRGC? They're actually in charge. They are the unelected branch of government. Get it? Just like we have ours. Iran has theirs. You think that the CIA would send in Peter Strzok's daddy to implement a new government and not have fail-safes in place? Come on, guys. We know them better than that. Look at all the fail-safes they have in our nation sitting under our noses. So this is what's going down right now. Now, I heard that Abe and the president talked. They had a good conversation on the phone. They discussed what happened in Iran yesterday Um, And they exchange points of views on different issues and what happened uh, with um, Iran. And this is coming from uh, Yersinte Suga, right? He is the one that stated it. He gave the the press statement in Japan. um, And Abe said, uh, you know, he is you know, the first prime minister to visit Iran after 41 years. What happened 41 years ago is guys, come on, let's do the math. Peter Strzok daddy appeared in Iran and implemented that infrastructure, the identical infrastructure that we implemented in North Korea, the identical infrastructure that we've, we have in our nation that works. This is how you keep your leaders in check. This is how they whipped, you know, stupid Bush 43 into submission, right? Because he was dumb. He thought he was really there because, you know, he deserved it. Obviously, you know, bloodline, daddy's boy, whatever, no Bush left behind. And they were hoping that they were going to get Jeb this time. So, you know, but he actually wanted to make a difference. He was, he was actually one of those, um, you know, and I know this sounds really bad and I'm so sorry. It may make sound make me sound weird, but he reminds me of, you know, the character from the Goonies, Truffle Shuffle. That is the type of personality Jeb, uh, not Jeb, uh, George Bush 43 had. 
He's that gullible, I feel sorry for myself, I want to be funny, but I'm not really smart type person, right? That is him. So you have to know that um, he really tried and this same MO kept him in check. Obviously, who was the one that delivered it? I've explained this before. It was Comey and Mueller that did it, right? How Comey just suddenly appeared to be acting attorney general instantly and then implemented you know, the special counsel to get this all done. You know, people just forget. Anyway, so when Abi was there, he was speaking with the Supreme Leader uh, Khomeini, right? And um, with President Rouhani, um, you know, throughout his whole time. Now, he, um, you would say that this trip kind of was solidifying the relations Japan has had with Iran. They've had relationships for over 90 years, but it's been 41 years since any prime minister of Japan had gone to uh, Tehran because of what the U.S. did, the implementation of the United States, what they put there. So uh, I would say CIA because it's not the people of the United States. See, we have to understand, I know as an American, I feel horrible for the things we've done. But we need to understand we didn't elect these people, okay? They're the unelected branch of government that run us. Something that we have not been very aware of. Something that we haven't understood. And even now where it's evident and you can see that other people are making the decisions, not the people that we elect. It's starting to make sense to you, but you just can't fathom that it's always been there. Well, not always. It was from the creation of the CIA. And again, I say, Eisenhower tried to mitigate that for us. And he left that little glimmer of hope, which was awesome. He didn't do much, but he created that. And that was good. Now, as we know, Abe going to Iran was going to be talking uh, with Rouhani and um, Khamenei uh, to discuss and be kind of an intermediary for President Trump. My sources in Iran say that talks were going pretty well, um, even though they were very skeptical because they are limited to what type of intelligence they're entitled to. Most of the intelligence that Iran has access to is directly from the European Union. And that obviously is going to be tainted because we see the relations that we have with the European nations. It's all smiles and knives straight in the back. And today's maneuver to kill our dollar was a big tell-all. Now, as uh, you know, they were um, meeting post the meeting that President Trump had in May with him. Uh, Amas Musavi said that the visit of, um, you know, he's like the press sec for, you know, the Supreme Leader. Musavi said... Um, that he was very happy with uh, Prime Minister Abiy coming to Tehran because it shows uh, an increase or a peak into attempting to get Iran into the global scene. That's something that Iran doesn't have. So what's interesting is, is that they had this meeting. The, um, uh, the discussions were great up until that happened. 
Okay. And it's important that we remember that in the middle of May, uh, the Secretary of State, or you would say Minister of Foreign Affairs, right, Mohammed Zavad Zarif, uh, he actually traveled to Japan and, um, you know, discussed with them uh, how they can protect the Iran deal of 2015 for, um, you know, their Islamic Republic and also known, you know, the Iran deal, right? We know what he went to. And so even though uh, the United States pulled out, they went to Japan and said, look, we need to keep this in check because without this, it's free game. The Europeans are going to kill us. You know, they're going to allow, they're telling them that they're going to come in and take over Iran just like they did Iraq. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And we've already got the chess pieces in. I'm telling you this now. Iran, okay, borders are going to be redefined regardless. And we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And it's up to the European Union to figure out how they want to take it. Because they're the ones that are playing the games with Turkey. So... Borders will be redefined because I've said it before. I expect within the next five years, within the next five years, that we will have a Kurdistan. And that is something that um, has helped the United States and our allies penetrate areas like Iraq, right? Because they were saying weapons of mass destruction, which was BS, what they were going with is, oh, Saddam Hussein is killing so many people in northern Iraq. Yeah, because that's where the Kurds are. And the Kurds are a nomadic group, kind of like the way the Jews were. They were nomads. They really didn't have borders or set borders as a country because they were nomads. They would travel, right? Same thing with the Kurds. They were nomads. So Israel was instated and they acknowledged that since they usually travel within this area, that should be theirs. Why not the Kurds? Well, it's because Iran, Turkey, and Iraq say no. They've always been the gypsies. They should not have any land. Now, here's why I'm telling you this is happening. Just today, it was announced that Iro Mustafa was appointed to be our U.S. ambassador to Bulgaria. Now, here's the thing. Iro, which is a Greek name, Iro, Mm. She actually speaks Greek too. She's fluent in it. Uh, she was actually born in northern Iraq, Kurdistan. And she was um, chased. She was a refugee. Turkish people, you know, Turkish people, even until today, kill Kurds like it's sport, right? I'm just letting you know that. That's something you won't hear in the news because no one's going to tell you that a Western, you know, civilization, Western, and I'm using air quotes, and someone part of NATO is actually committing crimes and killing these people. And this is why they're fine with the borders the way they are and fine with all the terrorist activity because Kurds are taken out in the, in the meantime. So this woman was chased from northern Iran and by um, the Turks. So by the Turks and Saddam Hussein, her family. Family was chased and she actually lived in a um, you know a refugee center um, uh, you know outside of that area for two years before she was provided um, asylum in the United States in 1976 she as I said she speaks Greek but now we're watching 
the nations of Eastern Europe. So this is Greece, which supports it, of course, because all the dead bodies from the Kurds in Turkey, where do they wash up? Greek shores. You won't hear about that, though. Um, Romania, Bulgaria, they all support the independence of these people and not to be persecuted. So because that is a big problem that those nations understand because of, you know, the relations they have. Most of the refugees that are sneaking out of Turkey are Kurds that are running for their lives. Okay. So Iraq, Iran, and Turkey have some really bad blood when it comes to Kurds. And I'm telling you these deals when they're cut, because we're seeing them align right? It's going to be down to Kurdistan because this move by the president, as well as Bulgaria aligning with, um, you know, more of a Kurdish um, friendly um, strategy. I could tell you today, Turkish mainstream media is losing their mind. They are in shock. They are scared because that sends a huge message to Erdogan that part of your land, part of Iraq's land and part of Iran's land will be provided to create a Kurdistan. So they are pissed. I'm telling you this now. It is wreaking havoc. That is exactly what the talking points are, like the variety show that was on, you know, in the afternoon where these old mustache men that, you know, have their mustaches like even yellow from all the cigarette smoke or hookah smoking, whatever, are talking about is how, you know, appalling it is that, you know, he would appoint a Kurd, you know, that pretends that she's American, pretends, they said, as an ambassador. She's going to be a stellar person. She's she's well um, informed in regards to foreign policy and Mil- Middle Eastern relations. She's actually lived it. So, uh, you know, President Trump just appointed her. So this is a big deal, especially with Turkey on the edge. And so now we have Iran and things are going to go crazy next week. I'm telling you, next week is going to be insane. This week you think is crazy. Wait till you see what happens after his announcement. After his announcement of running again, where he kicks off his campaign, which by the way, Joe Biden, hmm, the people he has in his rally are probably the same amount of people at concession stands waiting to see President Trump. It's probably the same amount of people that are cutting tickets for a Trump rally, you know, at the door are, 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 are the bodies that would make up a whole Biden rally. Okay. This is how huge it is. President Trump is going to put out this. And then after that, it's just going to go. It's done. Now things are just going to pop like crazy. We're going to see moves that you've never even fathomed could happen. Uh, not only on domestic, right? Domestic, it's still a hot mess, but it's nothing compared to what we're going to see foreign. And what we have to do is delay any radical changes until uh, after the 2020 elections, because that is where the meat of the situation is. Right now, we need um, peace. Right now, we need to figure out paperwork and we need to do this in a bloodless way, just like they did when they created the boundaries for Israel and took land from other, you know, border nations. This needs to be done in a bloodless way and to bring us all together to the table. And this is going to show to the whole world who 
is on the side of humanity, who is on the on the side of true justice and true um, love. That's the way it is. What people need to understand is this needs to come to fruition, this peace. Because as long as there is heat in the Middle East, as long as we allow them to perpetuate the situation and keep nations hostage for their nefarious acts, okay, and for their activities like money laundering, right, we will never have stability as a global, you know, um, ecosystem, I would say. We are a biodome, but we can't live in harmony, And see, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to tell you, we can't live in harmony as individual nations. Look at stuff like North Korea and Iran. We all have to be one global nation. So we can have one government. So everyone follows the rules. So we can avoid being blown up by nukes. And I just on that note, just so you know, even though Iran said, hey, we're going to have like enriched uranium, like the next day, if you don't come to, you know, to our aid, European Union, we're going to have enriched uranium the next day. They can't. I think I explained it to you guys. That's why yesterday I said, please revisit that. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks to create enriched uranium. It's not like you could just put it in the oven, bake it for 40 minutes and it's done. There's a whole process. It takes weeks to get it done. So let's be honest. Okay. So this was those headlines and those statements. I'm just letting you know, or for people that have no idea what's going on and also it's for people that are gullible enough to think that that deal really worked and they don't have enriched uranium over the amount that they're allowed to stockpile okay because you me anybody and their mother if we were held hostage like they were we'd be stockpiling uranium from like day one right so I mean let's be honest with each other okay so on that note, I just wanted to kind of wrap this up before we get into the really deep, 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 deep stuff, okay? Iran is a problem. Uh, we are waiting to see Europe's response and from today's response on how they try to manipulate the dollar, you can only see that they are not going to go down without a fight. They are going to mandate that we succumb to what they say. And this is going to be discussed further, obviously, after this break. Um, So you can understand the inner workings and how they come to such, I would say, not so much conclusions, but such a position against the United States of America of today with President Trump. And they are the problem. Our allies, in air quotes, are the problem. I'll see you all in just a bit.
town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper, they grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to their necks. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. Uh, I'm your host, Tori. Remember, I'm always here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. So um, our first hour was kind of gaining up to show you exactly what's going on, something that is lacking in the mainstream media. Like, the mainstream media hasn't talked to you about um, Merkel's appearance, Okay, that's number one. Uh, The interior minister of uh, France and his uh, results in regards to the yellow vest protests and what has been going on. And also what the European Union has been striving to do since last summer. So where to start first? Uh, Maybe we should start with the yellow vests. So basically, and I don't know why this isn't across the world on the news stations. Let's start with the yellow vests. Um, It was released actually on Monday. So Sunday, uh, you know, the Minister of Interior, so it would be kind of like our Secretary of the Interior here, uh, Christophe Cassagne, he said that 11 people uh, that were protesters in total have lost their lives uh, during uh, the yellow vest um, Um, protests. In addition, 2,500 people had been injured um, and uh, including uh, 76 that were in uh, a very bad, you know, almost deadly situation. Uh, It has been said that they've held 50,000 protests since the Yellow Vest movement started. So that's number one. France as as a, as a country is completely collapsing. I know this from family and, you know, my best friend that lives there. Things are just not going the way they should be going for the people of France. But it's not just France. Germany, too. So just um, uh, the today... Uh, we had Angela Merkel, obviously she's, uh, she was meeting with the Ukrainian president, um, Volodymyr Zelensky, um, in Germany at her courtyard. And here's what's weird. There's probably video of it somewhere. I saw it on, uh, you know, um, German TV, uh, this morning with my coffee and, it is causing great concern. She was literally shaking, like 
Parkinson's shaking. She was trembling. Um, she stood next to, um, you know, President uh, Zelensky. And, um, uh, you know, when he was like being awarded all these military prizes, you know, and then, you know, um, during the German anthem, uh, you know, he began to even shiver, uh, um, you know, he began, she began, sorry, to shiver. So right after that, um, it, it felt as if, you know, she kind of went to like do things with him and she was still shaking. And, you know, p- people at the press conference were like, you know, what's going on with you? Why are you so shaky? You're like literally trembling. Like you, you could see it. And she said, oh, you know, I just needed water. I've had some water and I'm good now. Um, And, you know, Mr. The President Zelensky, he was like, oh, I stood next to her and she was safe. It was all safe. It was super creepy and weird, you guys. Something is going down. And here's the thing, just so you know. President Zelensky doesn't even own his country anymore. He's president of nothing. He's the president of like... Uh, a nothing nation that is owned literally by Germany right now. Okay. I, I don't see how he stands there and he's like, well, I'm president. How are you president? They own your country. You owe them over 500, you know, billion euros in debt. They own all your, you know, gas, uh, you know, natural gas pockets. It's theirs. You'll get, you know, maybe a kickback, even though it's yours. You don't even own anything government wise. They do. Your people in the Ukraine are paying house loans to Germany because they bought everything out. So it's like, you know, if you take sit back and you cut back the BS, you're just like president of what? Awards for what? Selling out your country, abiding by it. Because you know what? This is why Crimea happened. They didn't want to be like the Ukraine right now. They didn't. I mean, the Ukrainians thought, great, we could go to Europe. We could work because the only thing Ukrainians would do when they were part of, you know, the... um, when they weren't part of the EU is that they would get into European nations and totally, totally not being, you know, well, it's a stereotype though in Europe. Usually all the strippers were Ukrainian and I'm not joking, like not joking. That was like their niche. They would come from the Ukraine into European nations. And even still today, if you go to like strip joints, you know, um, and you know, they, it's just places where you drink, right? Uh, Around Europe, all you will see is Ukraine. Ukrainian strippers and it's kind of like their niche that was what they used to do and that was because that was the only job they would be able to find because they weren't allowed to reside in the EU without visas until they became part of the EU you see what I'm saying so the people voted to be part of the EU so they can you know don't have to be trafficked don't have to work as strippers don't have to work as prostitutes but they, they can actually work you know in regular jobs without, you know, um, being hunted down. But then you would think, well, why not stay in your country? I mean, you just broke off from the USSR. Why not fix it? You know, catch 22 right there. Why does everybody want to leave? Especially from a rich nation like the Ukraine. They have so much money. So much money because they have so much natural gas. So dumb. It makes absolutely no sense to the average person with common sense, but it makes sense to people that understand this whole global order rollout. So, Merkel today 
health-wise, doesn't look good. She was shaking. Do you guys remember when Hillary Clinton was like um, walking off and she shook so hard that they had to catch her by the car? She was shaking like you could see it. I urge you to go to YouTube and find the video where she's literally shaking. And you will see something so similar, almost as if she has, you know, whatever Hillary had, um, you know, with her nodding and the falling by the car. And maybe this is why President Zelensky said, you know, I was standing next to her, you know, she was safe. You know, why would you say that? What do you mean she was safe? Was someone going to take her down? <laughs> it was so weird. Um, but, you know, the press is obviously saying, oh, it's just dehydration. Kind of like when Hillary wasn't showing up for her rallies. It wasn't really a big deal. It was she was feeling under the weather or she had a pneumonia. Remember that? Um, actually, Rupley has it. So I will try to um, tweet that out for you guys uh, so you could see it. Um, and I just did. Uh, it is pretty incredible um, when you take a look. So that's happened in Europe. Now take a take a listen to what the president tweeted about, which is what what the DAX did, what they tried to do with uh, the euro. So the president tweeted out today how he was appalled with um you know the germans fixing currency push right fixing currency push and the reason he said this is what people don't realize is when we uh, it's kind of like the federal reserve here if you relax the rates a little bit you inject more into the economy correct so that's something that you know, we would do when we need to stimulate our dollar or our economy locally. Now, um, the DAX is kind of the same as our New York Stock Exchange, right? It's a German stock exchange. Well, Mario Draghi, he actually, um, you know, got a rate cut, uh, you know, to stimulate, stimulate the EU currency, the EU currency. So the European Central Bank said, oh, this rate cut is just any, you know, it's just a tool that we use to stimulate the economy. No. They have announced since last summer that they are looking for an alternative way to back the EU, uh, the, the EU currency. So the euro and the dollar are closely linked. The dollar is what sets the tone for all other currencies. So the yen, uh, you know, performance reacts on the dollar performance. You know, the yuan, the the lira, the rubble, the 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 euro. All of them are dollar backed. That's what it means that they flux with it. Remember how I did this long talk about getting back to the gold standard? Well, here you go, seeing why. So Europe is trying to find an alternative way to disconnect from the dollar. And so there was an interesting article, uh, you know, where there's like this um, weird rainbows and ponies um, idea that the EU is trying to free itself, obviously, from the U.S. dollar dominance, something that they've created themselves anyway. So that makes no sense. But it's spoken from a point, just like many pundits, just like many political analysts you see on CNN that do not understand the euro dollar market. And, you know, the and they have to understand that the euro dollar market is something that the Federal Reserve um, 
uh, can no longer underpin the entire euro banking system. Um, you know, they don't seem to understand that. So the, the idea was brought up by Juncker, actually. Juncker actually uh, made an effort, so did Merkel and Macron, last summer when they announced how they needed an EU army, um, you know, and how the United States, as they kept going into the fall and even until uh, just a couple weeks ago, that we are now seen as an enemy. Now, keep in mind BRICS, which is uh, five countries, so it's Brazil, um, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, they've gotten together to create an alternative currency themselves, which is actually gold-backed, right, uh, to trade amongst themselves. So it's kind of like a separate um, trading system where these nations got together because they actually have gold, and they decided to back their currencies and, and play with that when they trade. Now, the rest of the world, excluding Cuba, Iran, and North Korea, all depend on the dollar. So basically, they see President Trump as a hostile. Hostile to what? Their plan. And the dollar is the world's dominant currency because this is the way it was created in the 40s, that we dictate the economy for the rest of the world. This is how we won World War II. We told people, you want money, you, you know, help take down Hitler and we'll give you loans and we'll work together. So what people need to understand is the minute President Trump had decided to pull out of the 2015 nuclear deal and just impose crippling sanctions on Iran to force them to come clean, to force them to bring them into the global scene, because right now they're being excluded from the global scene Purposely, because if you have that blind spot, a lot can happen in blind spots, right, guys? Murders happen in blind spots. MAGA hats, screaming MAGA country are in blind spots, right? Bleach and Tabasco sauce in blind spots. Money laundering in blind spots. So European companies are at neck and neck with U.S sanctions because of their investments in Iran. And so the policy and where are their investments in Iran? Remember the European Central Bank, World Bank and all of the EU huge banks have invested tons and tons and tons of money into these Iranian pipelines. Okay? So even though America, the United States, President Trump wants to have talks with Iran, they believe that because he pulled out of this Iran deal that keeps the hold, keeps the rank, keeps the leash on Iran for their interests, um, it is a big problem for them, for them economically. But because of the Iran sanctions that, you know, he implemented earlier and now pushing even harder, they have been striving to find a way to seg separate the flux or the dependence of the euro on the dollar. And so uh, not only that, President Trump has crippled, crippled the money investments that they have dropped in Venezuela. Because the European Union has invested a lot in Venezuela's oil industry. And remember, so did Russia and so did China. But if you remember, right before President Trump dropped the sanctions, Russia and China flew gold, flew gold, took gold from Venezuela, put it on a plane and took it. They got their money back. 
So not only that, but the president has put, uh, you know, sanctions on Russian banks. And, you know, obviously the president has gone up against European firms that are working with the Russian gas line company company that is like putting, you know, Nord Stream 2, uh, you know, threats about sanctions against Turkey. Why not? Turkey's a, you know, a BS starter. They're aggressive. Nobody trusts them. But, you know, this is what France and Germany are saying. President Trump is attacking our NATO ally in Turkey. President Trump is attacking all our banks and stuff that are working with Iran and fining them in the United States so they can't do business there because our banks are being filed, fined millions and millions of dollars for trading with Iran. President Trump has killed everything we've had in Venezuela in regards to money. Now he wants to stop the Russian pipeline with Germany. I mean, look what he's doing, uh, you know, to the 1990s era Cuban legislation. This is just way too much. So they're like, because there's like heavy handed transactions, the tariffs that he put on China, you know, to make to make them like, you know, change the the whole way they run their economies, the tariff threats to Mexico. They're like, okay, that's enough. You're a big bully, Trump. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to crush your dollar because our euro is better. But here's the deal. Yes, your euro has some weight. Your euro may indeed have weight, but it is still tied to us. And even though we can't underpin you, we could just cut the cord. And so we'll let Europe play their game. I mean, if I was President Trump today, immediately once that happened, I'd be like, yo, Fed, drop it by a quarter percent. Give give me a quarter percent down. And then the next day, drop it 0.5. You want to play Europe? Let's play. Because the bottom line will come that we will win in the end. And you know what? They're lax, you know, and relaxing basically their interest rates benefited one specific uh, country, guys. So weird. So, so weird. Do you know what country's 10-year government bonds was awesome today from that? Italy's. 8.6% growth on their 10-year bond instantly, just Italy's. And what has been happening? Okay, so yesterday, President Trump met with the um, current Italian officials, and Obama has been meeting with all the former Italian officials throughout the weekend. Oh, and by the way, my sources tell me that an Iranian envoy reached France. And at the time when the helicopter arrived, um, Michelle and the two girls uh, were touring. So everyone was distracted while Obama had a meeting. And then they met up for dinner at a restaurant, uh, you know, faux show. So things are not as they seem. I mean, out of the blue, 8.6, just on Italian 10-year government bonds that are popping. So now people that are selling those 10-year bonds are making 8.6%. That for a conservative investment, that's a pretty huge bump because you don't buy $100 in a government 10-year bond, right? You buy it like hundreds of thousands. So someone's making some serious bank with that hike. And who is it? What country is benefiting from selling those? See, if I was you know, part of the FBI, you know, that watches market transactions. I totally see who's selling Italian 10-year government bonds today because that'll tell you which country has those bonds and is selling them could be a country in the Middle East, I'm just saying. See, 
what they did today was to show that they are not scared to cause disruptions in our economy. Now, one thing I noticed almost instantly with the opening of the uh, market uh, is that, you know, this uh, this uh, investment app, and I'll tell you guys about it one day. I've tried it out. I invested $5. It's been 24 days and now it's worth $20.64. And it feels so bad. Why didn't I use $1,000, right, to test it out? But um, today there was a huge market jump. And it went up. Let me see what it says. The percentage it went up is by 2.6%. So I made 53 cents so far in a moderately aggressive uh, portfolio. And so what does that tell you? That tells you that the U.S. companies that are in these aggressive portfolios, and I'll line it out so you guys understand what they're doing, these moderately aggressive portfolio that I have is 10% government bonds, 10% corporate bonds, large company stocks 38%, which is Google, Coca-Cola, and stuff like that, small company 14%, and then international large company stocks is 16%. So the majority, I guess, so it's like what? Close to 50% of this portfolio has large and international global company stocks. What does it tell you when the euro laxes that even though it kills our currency, it bumps our market up? It tells you that these American companies that have IPO'd on the New York Stock Exchange do what? They do a lot more business in euro. This is telling you that the companies that you call American, the companies that were created because of the freedom that America provides them, the companies that were, you know, came to, you know, from conception to, to fruition in our nation, no longer trade in dollar two, they trade in euro. That's what it tells you. No one's talking about that. Forget they're trying to attack the dollar. We can fix that real quick. We could fix it super quick. What this move has done is one, expose the only country in the EU that actually benefited on conservative investments. So you need to pay attention who sold those bonds. And it also tells you that these large US companies are trading more in euro than they are in dollar. That is a problem. That is is a huge problem. And this also indicates just how much money we're losing in tax because they're doing that. I mean, it's not like I'm going to tax you if you're doing business in another currency outside of my country. Remember how President Trump said, you know, all these big companies, they go outside because it's better tax for them and blah, blah, blah. This is what he was talking about. I wanted to make that clear. I mean, you know, finance is really, really hard for people to understand really hard. But it tells you a lot about the health of our global economy, right? And right now what this is telling me based on the portfolio I have and the jump it got, right? A 2.6% jump on the whole portfolio went just under 50% can be directly correlated to the EU indicates that my large companies in the United States trade in euro more than they do in dollar, which means I am losing dollars to be coming back as a taxpayer into our treasury because they're doing more business there than they are here. 
Okay. It's really important for us to discern that, to understand that. So this, you know, pony show of ha will crop, you know, crush the dollar. So whereas if you were in, you know, uh, a European country right now, let's pretend you were in Italy and you put your ATM card and you want to pull out a hundred euros, let's say a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, you would get, you know, yesterday you would get like 90 bucks, right? 90, 90 euros out of the ATM. Right. But if you put your ATM card today to pull out one hundred dollars, you would get like 80 euros. That's how big of a difference it is. Our dollar is not strong now, not as strong as we'd like to. So those of you going on vacation, you know, it's going to hurt you a little bit. Obviously, a lot of people are saying, oh, the currency exchange rate hasn't changed much. Yeah, you watch because it's already seen the effects uh, and, uh, you know, swipe your card while you're there and you'll just see the effects. The bottom line is this has shown many things and they were trying to be sneaky. And the fact that the president caught on to it, I mean, why would you care, right? Why would you care that they're doing it? Okay, so they lax their rate a little bit and they're looking to fix it. No, man, this is where people need to be paying attention. Who is selling 10 year Italian government bonds today with an 8.6 jump just in an hour of the announcement? Okay, 8.6%. On let's say a hundred thousand dollars is is a pretty much a lot of money, right? Eight point six percent on a million dollars because that's how big government bonds are when other governments buy them is a pretty penny, and they don't come in separate; they come in multiples. Remember how China says they have our debt and they'll sell it? That's basically what it is. It's government bonds, um, and it's a lot. We're talking in the billions, right? That other people own our debt. This is why we have a $21 trillion debt as a nation. So what do you think? If we have $21 trillion, you think the other nations don't have debt? All of them do. Every single nation on this planet has debt. Every single nation except for, obviously, Russia, who has a surplus. Cash on hand, reserves, gold, no debt. They've paid all the debt. Not only their debt, but they paid all the foreign, the former nation, the former, you know, the, the nations that came out from the U.S., former USSR. So they paid the debt for the Ukraine, paid the debt for Latvia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they have no debt. We should be paying attention a little bit more because this move will show exactly who and why they are benefiting. What country is selling all these government bonds? That's the key question. Why is it that only the Italian 10-year government bonds got the jump? Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. 
In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Shout out to one of my listeners who DM'd me just a couple minutes ago the most amazing topic that I wanted to discuss today, uh, which also shows the climate that we're in. But before I do that, I just wanted to say, Iran, President, uh, Iran, Japan, the U.S., and North Korea are all trying to work together to fix the situation in Iran. I want you all to just remember. Do you remember how President Trump said he got this great letter from, you know, Kim Jong-un? Right. What was the letter about? Oh, because North Korea had their envoy uh, heading over to Iran after the debacle with Abe. Just pointing out that the news are not giving you the news in whole so you can understand what is going on. Now, Here's where we're getting into the, the nitty-gritty stuff of what's really going on. So we know that President Trump made the announcement that he's going to be meeting uh, with, the, uh, with uh, President Xi, right, in uh, Japan during the G20 summit. Great news. They really need to talk because China, like I've said from the beginning, is one of the biggest threats to our nation. Uh, it's really important that um, China is and will maintain the alliance they have with President Trump and that they have trust. Because the problem that we have as a country is that this fourth unelected branch of government has never been 
an independent government. Make sense? It was always working with everyone else. So it was always a tag team. And this is the first time we have a president that is really looking to create independence globally and to bring nations uh, to compete on a global scale, not to make us all vanilla, right? He's not looking for that. He's not looking to um, create this control. And China knows that short term they gain, but they will not be able to withstand and um, keep their nation as it is and do injustice and dishonor to the Chinese wall that was built so many years ago to proclaim their boundaries, right? They will fail if this global order is, is, is put in place. Short term, maybe 50 years, they might, because they're more advanced, they're great at spying, you know, they're getting something out of it. And, you know, the global order is like, yeah, just let them, we're going to come after them later. And that's what they're going to do. So they know that. It is inevitable that they will lose their nation no matter how slick they think they are. Okay? I just wanted to say that. Um, so what is happening? A lot of people, so it's being reported, um, and it was reported earlier um, this morning uh, by a news wire service that I subscribe to for news in South America. The reason I subscribe to it more so is because I'm interested to know what goes on in Antarctica. And I say it again, I can't wait to go there and see why half the continent isn't claimed. A lot of people say it's ice, so the rest of it is ice too. Why do they claim that and not that part? So... What happened was that this morning in Argentina, and there was a Chinese fishing boat, right? You could see it's a fishing boat uh, in Argentinian waters. And they um, sent out messages. They signaled the ship in both English and obviously Spanish. They tried to communicate with the ship to tell them, yo, you're in our waters. Identify yourself. Instead, the boat turned off their lights and started to run to international waters, right, to get to that. Well, right by the cusp of it, they took the ship down. The fishing boat was taken down, the Chinese fishing boat. Now, China has already asked for a thorough investigation by Argentinian authorities saying, you need to tell us why you sunk this boat. You need to tell us what happened. First of all, I just want people to know that, you know, the Indonesians are jumping on this train and they're like, well, you know, um, you know, we've sunk in boats that come Chinese boats that come into our water, too. Why? Why would the Coast Guard sink a fishing boat? Think about it. Do you really think they're fishing? Really? So you would think, like, people are so dumb, they think that China would send a vessel all the way across to um, the Argentinian side of South America, right? Okay. Enter their waters for fish. I mean, we just have to be realistic because I've been seeing messages on Weibo, um, you know, and other platforms. So Weibo is for the Chinese, right, where they're talking about it. And it's kind of like, all right, the, you know, people are like, well, the Chinese are thieves. They just go everywhere and they steal fish. And I'm like, stop one second. By the time the fish actually, I mean, obviously they have more advanced ways of keeping them alive and not being super dead so they don't stink because they have a great fish market. But come on, man. You really think the Chinese are going to send a fishing boat that far out on that side of, you know, South America 
to get sh- to get fish, okay, to get fish, to bring back to China, you know, 12, 15 days later if they maintain course. Really? Come on. It's not like if they want to do something or put something or examine something or take measurements of something that they're going to use like a, a government boat. Okay. It's not like they're going to send a huge frigate or, you know, a research boat and make it evident. Okay. We've seen this movie before. Okay. Russia has already pointed out what Germany has been doing in the Arctic in their waters without permission. Right. We need to be a little bit more careful on what's going on. And the thing is, Argentina coming down hard like this um, is realizing that um, they are under watch. Okay, I just want to say this because Argentina, kind of like Greenland, kind of like Uruguay, you never hear them in the news much. They don't do much. Right. They don't. They're kind of just there. They exist. I've been to Argentina. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I've even said to my husband that when we retire, I want to buy a flat so that we can go down to Argentina every now and then. I've said this. Love it. But why would Argentina do this? Because now they realize all eyes on them. And it's the Chinese. So they don't know what's up because everybody knows what the Chinese do. What do they do? They spy. And Why is there a fishing boat that enters there? And if you're fishing and you accidentally went into their waters, because they were only a couple miles out, um, you know, from international waters, why would you run away? Like, come on, you really would risk going into, you know, international, you know, to breach boundaries of exclusive fishing waters? Come on. Let's just take this with a grain of salt. This is where it's going to get busy. And I have already put my alerts on for Chinese television and more of the Pacific, Asian Pacific television, because you hear the commentary, they're all thieves. They just go everywhere and steal fish. And I'm like, okay, coming to you down in the Philippines, Indonesia, I kind of get it. You know, Malaysia, get it. But all the way over there, I mean, I don't know, man. It's like... The fish is like 20 days dead. Even if it comes into market, you can spray paint the eyes all you want and make it look fresh. It's not going to, unless you're keeping them in water tanks, that's different. Then what are you going to do? You can't keep that many fish, can you? I'm just saying. So this is something we need to kind of keep our eyes out because there are a lot of things happening across the globe that seem so so disconnected, but yet they're all connected. You have to look because something like this just happened in Africa, guys. So China and South Africa, they work together, right? So why did their fishing boat get captured by the South African Coast Guard on, you know, um, right off the Cape? Why? Why? And here's the kicker. South African news say that there were no fish on board. So what is a fishing boat doing off the coast of South Africa? A Chinese one. Random. With no fish. Okay. Let's just, I'm just saying. When you spy on someone or if you want to survey something or if you want to see something or if you want to plant something or if you want to put something, you're not going to come in, you know, with, you know, looking like Dick Tracy, right? You're going to look like an average person, maybe even a bum, blend in, right? Fishing boat, total bum, blending in. 
So this is going to be interesting how it pans out. And China actually issued a statement, whereas with South Africa, they didn't. So that's curious, too, probably because South Africa didn't take them down and they cornered them. And um, the Chinese ship maybe didn't have anything to run away from. Maybe they didn't do anything. Maybe they admitted. Maybe they went another route. But this one, they like rammed each other and it sank and it's just a whole debacle. So again, we all know we can't take the the fake news media as they say it. I mean, all of them are corrupt. We just need to be paying attention to those, you know, little sections of real news uh, to make sense of it. Oh, so I mentioned South Africa just a couple days ago that it happened. This also happened in Madagascar. So in Madagascar, there was like a trife, you know, between China and, um, you know, the officials in Madagascar for them um, saying that they're fishing in their waters, but they were, you know, and that they accidentally entered. But what the government officials had put out in a report and this is a couple weeks ago they said well it seemed like they were patrolling or doing something and checking up on something because they didn't fish and so you know Madagascar didn't go like up against them or anything but kind of told them please stay in international waters don't come here Um, and the reason that they were able to do it is because they were by a center where they do research with lemurs and stuff so that was more of a US paid um, actually yeah US UK, uh, European Union, basically funded research group that was by the coast where they were actually supposedly accidentally fishing, but it looked like they were patrolling or doing something else. So this is constantly happening. So, I mean, someone could say that they're planting spy devices or maybe surveying the floors for minerals or something. We don't know, but it's just curious that they're being called out and caught now. So there's a reason for them to be so aggressive in such a short period of time, because it's not something you do from one day to another. You know, it's not like you're like, okay, Let's just all go spy right now or okay, let's just all go survey right now within the past month to get caught and called out. I mean, someone could say they've been doing this for a while and never got caught. I'm kind of not feeling that. So there's got to be a reason that there's an uptick in this. And then, you know, that could be coupled with the fact that they're actually getting kicked out of places uh, like South America where they have a uh, forced labor, um, We saw the big Chinese company being chased out of Uruguay uh, just about four weeks ago. Uh, In Africa, in the Congo especially, uh, the Chinese are being chased out. Uh, Chinese investments in South Africa are no longer allowed. So it makes you wonder what politics are playing. Could they be EU influenced? Could they be influenced with the U.S. policy or the alignment? I don't know. But I am putting this out there because no one else is telling you about this. Uh, Obviously, they are talking about the ship that was sunk because it was actually sunk. That's big news. Uh, You know, you're not going to hide it from the Argentinian press. So obviously they have to report on it. And it's the first time that we actually have a formal response from the Chinese government in these actions. So that's pretty curious. And we should keep our eyes open. Now, Speaking of borders and, and, you know, water borders, uh, you know, we have the same issue going on in the Aegean with Turkey that are surveying the uranium deposits in the Aegean Sea. They're coming to a front. And like I've said, 
One thing I want to see is prior to the G20 summit is maybe some announcement or discussion on Turkey because right now uh, Turkey is causing most of the, 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 the issues that we're having in the Middle East because they are funneling the support from Europe to Iran. And also they are stymieing any developments, um, you know, that can happen or peace talks. Uh, and they are a big funder of the Muslim Brotherhood. Also, just to say, um, MBS, right, the crown prince, and Macron had words also today because Macron, you know, MBS reached out to him and said, you, you know, you guys better figure out what side of the pond you're sitting on because, you know, what Trump is doing is correct. And the fact that you're allowing the IRGC to fund the terrorists in Yemen and that war in Yemen, we're going to have a big problem. And Macron literally scoffed and said, we don't need Saudi Arabia anymore. You've aligned with them. Leave us alone. That is the bottom line. So now Saudi Arabia has fallen in ranks with France. You know what I want to see them do? Pull out their bank investments. And if the crown prince is listening, which I doubt he is, but if he ever did, and I'll probably tweet it out to him, he needs to pull his Mafin bank investment and watch France collapse. Pull out the investment, dude. Pull out the bank investment. You can invest in, you know, so many other banks around the world outside of the EU. Pull it out. France will collapse. You will see Carrefour stock tank. You will see ABN Ambro uh, go limp because it will destroy the economy because Marfan Bank was actually a bank created by Saudi Arabia. Um, it's like a private bank and it's been PC, PC purchasing other European small banks. So like in Italy, it purchased, oh gosh, I don't remember what it was called. Um, it's like Express Bank of Italia or something like that. It was some small niche bank. Uh, in Greece, it was Eurobank. Uh, and then it had um, Softe uh, Bank in France. So it was purchasing um, little banks around Europe, creating this Marfin you know, group. And then that Malfan group bought chunks of like ABN Ambro chunks of, you know, big companies like Carrefour, which is like a Walmart for Europe, right? It's, it's a French company, Aldi, you know, and all those. And if he pulls out the investment and shuts it down, I, I swear they will go berserk. I mean, if I was him, I would totally do that. I'd be like, you know what? I, I really don't need this bank anymore. So I'm going to shut it down and say, sorry, we're not doing business here anymore. That's what I would do if I was the crown prince because I have a solid gold toilet and I don't need you. And that would give me liquidity. And maybe I can invest it in Africa somewhere because Africa is a total, you know, badass investment. Okay. No one's investing in Africa, which is one of the hugest continents we have. Right. And no one is taking advantage of it. If I was a crown prince, I would take my phone bank shut it down, cripple the, the French economy along with other, you know, crippling a few other uh, European companies. Say, all right, you want to fund terrorism in Yemen? You want to fund the wars in Oman? You want to play? I'm playing. Uh, because it's time that, you know, nations start to, to, to define where they stand, just like our president has. He's defined where he stands. I stand with my people. If it's not in the interest of my people, I say, bye-bye. That is what every other single nation should do. Poland has done it. Great job. Japan has done it. Great job. Again, I'm going to make a mention to you. Where is South Korea? South Korea is not talking. We hear nothing of South Korea. Where does South Korea stand on this? Does the EC have them? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Where's South Korea? That's a big deal. South Korea.
So on that note, let's talk more borders. Let's talk Mexico. So we're having a huge issue here with Mexico. We have planes literally flying out of Mexico with migrants and being taken into California directly. These people are bringing bags of drugs, right? They're all um, able-bodied, you know, individuals in their 20s. I didn't see any kids come off that plane. Uh, Paul Preston actually has it on his site, a video where they uh, secretly took video of a uh, airport um, where they landed at an airport in LA, I think it was, and people were just coming off the plane. These are coming straight from Mexico. So they're importing these immigrants, illegal immigrants into our nation, able-bodied, not children, able-bodied men into our nation that are carrying drugs with them. Who is funding this private, you know, busing? We've got AMLO supporting, you know, his southern border and refusing people to enter. But we've got so many within Mexico that are coming in, flying in and just staying and then just moving across the border. There is so much going on. And now we have an issue with um, our secretary of defense. I told you that the GOP will not... Um, you know, approve or confirm Patrick Shanahan. They did not want him. Why? Because nobody can control Shanahan. And that is a problem. And so this is a huge deal. Patrick Shanahan, who has done a great job, great job. He's not even moving forward with the confirmation because he says he wants to go with his family. Do you know what that means? Dude, I'm pulling my name out of the hat because these people are coming after me. And I don't want to be known as the guy who wasn't confirmed by a Republican, you know, Senate, right? Because the president nominated him and they will not confirm him. He does not want that stigma. So um, that's it. Now, I did tell you earlier this week, there's a lot of new people entering, didn't I? And lo and behold, Mark Esper will be the Secretary of the Army. Didn't I mention the Secretary of the Army? I also mentioned how awesome it was that the day that my sister, that my sister, why did I say my sister? My daughter arrived uh, to her first, you know, to her boot camp that the Secretary of the Army was there too just appeared the day she was there and kind of welcomed her battalion and herself there. So I am just saying we're going to see a lot more new faces. Uh, We're going to see changes in the Pentagon. We're going to see changes in national security, uh, you know, from uh, directors to advisors. We're going to see a whole lot coming in. So now that our acting Secretary of Defense is not going forward for Secretary of Defense, the president needs to find someone that he can rely on for this. There's a lot of people. Now, I know uh, a couple of people that I would like to see um, as Secretary of Defense that have really good national security, also sense of it, and have served our country, too. Uh, That's what's important, Uh, because when they've served, they actually know what it's like to be a soldier and can um, pretty much, uh, I would say, not assist, but have a point of view that makes sense. Um, There's... um, I like uh, Colonel McGregor. He was on Tucker the other day. I don't know if you guys saw him. Uh, he's a retired Army colonel. He's um, he's a pretty stellar guy, pretty benign too. Um, but 
We have a lot of problems with our colonels, majors, and generals in general, right? A lot of them are getting fired uh, across the board in the Pentagon. And this is probably why Patrick Shanahan has been stymied by the GOP, right? So look at just how big the attacks are coming on our president right now. Uh, so we're going to see a lot of people. I, I kind of want to see um, really good guys there. Uh, it's unfortunate that we can't have General Flynn yet because we're waiting patiently, right? Sydney's going to pull that plea and it's going to be done. And then maybe we'll see him enter. Uh, but um, Mark Esper, part, to be Secretary of Army, pretty good. Um, you know, he's pretty good, right? And to be the new acting Secretary of Defense, not bad, right? I'm just saying, not bad. That's the thing. So now that we have the uh, Secretary of the Army, Esper, who, like I said, coincidentally, um, I spoke about just, you know, a couple weeks ago when my daughter arrived to um, Fort Jackson. He was there. And he actually took part in the activities, too, by the way, um, at the base. Uh, he's going to be the acting Secretary of Defense. So what we need is a Secretary of the Army. We also need a really good national security advisor. I, I mean, I'm just saying, um, and I've said this before, Bolton's uh, a very scary guy. And it takes a lot for someone to scare me. Bolton scares me. I'm just telling you that straight. Um, he is like a katana, right? You know, katanas out of all swords and, you know, whatever, you know, weapons of metal and steel, uh, katanas are the scariest for me only because you can put, um, more force and more power on it. That's how I see Bolton. He's like a katana. So unless you have a shield made out of, you know, titanium, it's pretty hard to avoid, um, damage. On that note, I want to tell you guys, I can't wait to see what happens in the rally. I really hope that the leash on the VP, because it seems like the Democrats love Vice President Pence with all this impeachment talk. Um, I want to see if that leash is not made of tungsten, just cut it. We don't need him. Let's see what happens. I know it's going to be huge. I know it's going to be big. I know everyone is going to have super fun, right, at the rally. I'm excited to see it. I'm going to be watching it as if I'm there. And it's going to show the rest of the mainstream media, who are obviously not going to show the crowd, just how big will win. Because on my Facebook, I've got friends that are flying down there. And if I could, I would have flown down there to go. Because uh, it's important to show our support to a president that has been doing nothing but showing his support for us consistently and constantly throughout, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, term so far in two and a half years and what he's done for us. Jobs, our economy, our stock market is booming. Uh, you know, welfare is going down, trying to fix our education and more so trying to position our nation on a global front in regards to reassigning the foreign policy. Now, like I said, in the next week, things are going to go nuts because we're going to see who's really an ally and who's not. So in a way, we can kind of thank Iran for that. They've set the time limit. They've called them to the carpet. And now it's put up or shut up, right? On that note, everyone, watch the rally today if you have time. If not, I'm sure it's going to be online for you to watch. 
keep faith in everything. From all of us here at Red State, God bless. A long way from the suits in D.C. But close enough now to see this mess Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there